Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this made-in-America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Get yeah. Yeah. yeah! Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week can you spend out As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Houndsman XP Podcast. I am your host, Chris Powell. And on this episode of the podcast, we are going to feature Brian Lynn from the Sportsman's Alliance. We're a little late in the game on this one. There's been a lot of stuff happening around the country, and we're not done yet. A lot of state legislatures are adjourning for the year. But we always have the looming lunacy of our federal government that is trying to restrict our freedoms in a lot of different ways so the fight's never over it continues always and in this podcast what are we going to do brian and i are going to discuss the 
assault on firearms across the United States. They've been very active in that. And and what does Sportsman's Alliance do when when the loonies come after our guns? They throw a gun bash in Ohio. And we're going to talk about that event, but we're also going to take a deep dive into all of the legislative things that you need to know. I'm not going to lie, folks. I get pretty fired up in these podcasts when I'm talking to Brian because just like you, watching what's going on in our world makes me crazy. But fortunately for us, there is an answer, and that's the Sportsman's Alliance. They're out there every day fighting the good fight for us. And if we're going to fight this fight effectively, we have to know why things are happening, how things happen, what are the politics, what are the backroom deals that are being made, how do you follow the money. We're going to peel back the layers of that onion and expose all of that in this podcast, and you need to know what they are. I just love doing these podcasts. They really do get me fired up. This one is a box shaker. It's time to get the tailgate down. It's time to dump the box. Let's start off talking about the gun the gun bling fling bash in Ohio. Yeah. That's going to be a big deal for Sportsman's Alliance. Yeah. So are we starting now or do you wait? <laughs> oh, we roll right in. I don't give you any time. If you were going to sit there and pick your nose and cuss and drink beer and all that stuff, it's going on the air. All right. Cool, cool. <laughs> I like ambushing people, Brian. Yeah. 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 You're like the guy who runs up the camera in the grocery store parking lot. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt cool. about that. Spring fling, or yeah, spring fling. Uh, ton of guns, and uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's kind of a hybrid virtual event. So, 500 people in person in Ohio, but selling raffle tickets uh, to those who can't make it, you know, so you can still win, don't have to be present. So, that's cool. So, kind of a bit, uh, you can still win stuff even if you're not there, but if you go there, there's Beer and hot dogs and barbecue and guns being given away left and right and uh, trips to Africa. I think there's like three different safaris, maybe two or three. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Argentina. Uh, yeah, a lot of cool stuff for you know a raffle that's uh, just for the springtime. If and people went up the summer, I'll tell you what, man. You know all this gun legislation we've been. You guys have been hammering that stuff across the the United States and what's going on with that? I, you know, I want to talk about that because what do we do in response? Sportsman's Alliance owns a, a gun bash in Ohio. <laughs> it's like, yeah, here you go. This is what yeah. we think your anti-gun legislation. Thank We're going to give a bunch of them away. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, there is a ton part of it's, you know, just kind of the cycle where we're at and the political cycle and, uh, you know, looking at uh, presidential stuff coming up, so everybody's jamming, but, uh, you know, and, and uh, Democrats trying to get stuff through in different states and at the federal level, and and so it's uh, part of the cycle and part of just uh, where everybody's at in the country right now. You see the blue states are, you know, I'm in Washington state, like, this is like, I think we've just out california California, so... Uh, Everything on, on the docket here from wildlife management to guns. And then they've just passed a whole suite of gun control bills, uh, you know, 
AR band, AK, any, you know, they added a whole bunch of features. So now even some handguns and shotguns are called assault weapons. Um, 10 day waiting period of permit to purchase system that like Oregon doesn't exist. Uh, you know, just it's, they've just, oh, the ability to sue manufacturers. That's a big one, you know, that has gone. California did it last year. Right. We're suing them for um, marketing to youth. And now, uh, you know, being able to sue gun manufacturers for marketing to youth. Well, now kind of Oregon and Washington and a whole bunch of, you know, blue, other blue states are passing or trying to pass and Washington did pass it that if a criminal uses the gun to commit a crime and the manufacturers didn't do enough that they can be held criminally responsible for that and or civilly responsible. Civil. Yeah. Yeah. And it's then, just breaking the back of the, the gun manufacturers and, and the, the, the reason I'm concerned about it is because the gun manufacturer is going to pass those costs along to me. Yeah. You know, that, PR dollars because like so here in Washington all of a sudden if they stop selling guns and licenses drop it well there go our PR dollars right you know? so there goes conservation too and you know it's not uh, I didn't think about the Pittman Robertson funds that are going to be impacted by that holy cow yeah you know and the same goes for lead ammo bans at the federal level you know so that's gonna it, it, it's gonna get interesting but you know so you see the blue states trying to move while they can and the red states are making proactive moves, saying, yep, we're going to set this law right now that, you know, they can't be held criminally liable. Uh, credit card, you know, the credit card companies have been trying to create codes so they can track who's buying guns or ammo. Yeah. And there's the red states are setting laws pr proactively saying, nope, don't even bring that here. It's, it's illegal here. And so it's it just highlights the divide within this country <laughs> pretty strongly. Do you think the big push on a lot of this stuff is because the uh, the the blue states are afraid and shift to power next year in the the and the presidential and the Senate? Yeah, there's there probably some part of that. Yeah, and you know they just got blood in the water right now, and uh, and for every every shooting, whether it's a so-called mass shooting or not, that we all typically think of, now everything's getting grouped in as a mass shooting even when it's not technically a mass shooting you know it's a homicide oh yeah the guy in texas you know who's illegally here and illegally owning guns and yeah that's not stopping it the, the laws aren't stopping so it's only us law-abiding people who are being handicapped by it my my uh stance on that anymore is if liberals would stop shooting people we'd live in the most peaceful society in the world <laughs> seriously i mean every time you have one of these wackos walk in and you do a deep dive into their personal state their transgender their you know their their left their leaning left their illegal immigrants all the people that the left wants to to build their platform on yeah. so if they just if we just get the liberals to stop killing people we wouldn't have any problem because your conservatives don't go around killing people yeah. Unless they need it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we just want to be able to be able to do it if they need it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, 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 you know, the gun whole thing is, uh, 
it's just really moving in two different opposite directions in this country. And uh, yeah, the law abiding are uh, the ones caught in the middle. You bet. You bet. What do you think? Uh, what do you think the the impact is going to be for those Pittman Robertson dollars for states like Washington and Oregon? Have you guys have you guys done any work on that to crunch any numbers? We're looking at doing a study and kind of trying to find that out. Um, we we haven't uh, we we don't have any firm numbers. There's going to be an impact if you know if these lawsuits and stuff hold first, they have to get through all the legal challenges. You know, a lot of the laws here in Washington, there's, you know, already lawsuits. They were just sitting there with their waiting. As soon as Inslee signed it, they pushed the button to file the lawsuit. So I think there's like three lawsuits, four lawsuits already in Washington. So we'll uh, see if they hold up and, you know, if injunctions get placed, which should probably happen pretty quickly. Is Sportsman's Alliance one of the, um, one of the organizations that's pushing that lawsuit you guys involved uh, in that we're, one we're not in any of the lawsuits yet or that i know of um doesn't mean we won't join in the future but i mean second amendment foundation and gun yeah. owner all those guys nra nssf you know they're literally we're waiting <laughs> yeah and filed like there uh we worked with you know, NSSF and NRA and a couple others uh, testifying. I testified against two of them here in Washington in the Senate and the uh, in the House. And it doesn't matter. It's the Democrats have super majorities and the Democrat governor and the legislators just kind of fall in line behind them. So it literally was just uh, an exercise, a waste of time. Got me a little experience testifying, but that's about probably the best thing that came out of it. Yeah. And I, I didn't mean to put Sportsman's Alliance on the spot. I was kind of setting it up there for to showcase that even though you're you're not your name's not on the line for, you know, the the that particular lawsuit, you guys are you guys are cooperating and working with and we're building this network of of protective layers for for americans through sportsman's alliance and the national shooting sports foundation the nra and that's what it's going to take man i'm always talking about bridging gaps and yeah. and sportsman's alliance is is doing that so yeah, pretty much work with just about everybody whether it's you know about firearms or if it's about wildlife management predators hounds whatever you know we work with whoever we need to within those different subsections to get things done i mean yeah, Todd will be uh, testifying in front of Congress next week uh, about lead ammunition. You know, that holds a big piece. You know, that could be a big impact to, you know, people and participation as far as costs of uh, participating if lead ammo bans become the standard, which is kind of what the Biden administration has been pushing and or cooperating with, settling with, I guess, uh, uh, Center for Biological Diversity. It started with the Wildlife Refuge and will be going forward, but there's already groups who have petitioned to expand it to national forests. BLM, all of that stuff. And we called this, we did this podcast and talked about this lead last year. Yeah. And we called it last year, Brian, that, that it wasn't going to stop with the National Wildlife Refuges. That's the gateway to get into all of it. And, you know, the piece that this is just so daggone complex when you start breaking it down of what's really going on. Because when you start looking at 
what is considered non-toxic ammunition, the main one on the table right now is copper. Mm-hmm. You know, copper solids, copper this, copper that. Uh, I know a few ammo manufacturers have already jumped in the re- arena there and, and started developing their bullet technologies and stuff. But that stuff is not going to get any cheaper, especially with this huge push on electric vehicles. Yeah. Electric yeah. vehicles are going to take a ton of copper in order, and we're getting that jammed down our throats. So, man, if people aren't on point for this lead thing, you better get on point and get involved because I don't know. I don't know. It's going to affect reloading. It's going to affect, uh, it's going to affect every facet of the shooting sports and hunting. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, uh, you're exactly right. I mean, it's copper is probably the next most available element to make this stuff with, but if you reduce, (laughs) If you, if you increase, if you reduce lead and increase the demand, it's just basic yeah. economics 101. Like the price is going to go up, even though it's a more plentiful element, it's still not going to be enough. And it's with the demand is going to be high for everybody. So that price is going to go up. I mean, it's a sham. Gasoline it, and, and reduce it, the supply. It's a complete sham. When you look at the environmental impacts for mining copper, the one, the one bullet, the 153-grain bullet that I shoot at a coyote on a National Wildlife Refuge has zero effect on the environment compared to what the impact is for a copper mine. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. How, yeah. how, how do we – I mean, is this just a total sham job? I mean, what are we looking at here? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's – Part of the environmental movement. I mean, it's if they can move that, you know, first of all, they have to have something to talk about. They have to have something to drum money up about with, you know, whether that's wolves, grizzlies, guns, lead, whatever. You know, those are all money makers for them. And the more they can put it out there, destroying the environment, the, the our ecosystems are at risk, blah, 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 blah. You know, but I mean, California, they've done the condors and they were they were leading the way on the lead stuff condo populations have pretty much stayed stable you know yeah so and and who knows i mean it's just uh it's a mess and it's going to cost money and it's gonna screw things up for hunters i mean remember the the ammo shortage we had you know that we are finally out of but that was ugly you know that was horrible to flip and switch and they can't do that overnight the processing, you know, the, the plants and the manufacturers can't flip a switch and just make it. So it's uh, it could lead to another one of those. We talked about this and refresh my memory about the impacts of lead on the wildlife refuges. You had a really good argument, and Sportsman's Alliance has a really good talking points on why the lead ammo has very little to no effect on wildlife. Well, you know, we, we manage at the population level. That's what it was. Yeah. So, you, you know, in this country, we, we manage at the population level. Okay. Is there an issue with the population or the population over, you know, moving through this side of things, a flyway, for instance? 
Yes. Oh, what what are the contributing factors? Why is this? Okay, let's fix that. You know, but we don't we don't manage at the individual level. You know, so it's like, oh, an eagle died. Well, a whole bunch of geese ran into a wind turbine. We're not there. You go. So you know, if, if there's not a population impact, why are we regulating this again? And the study that they're basing all of this on didn't say that eagle populations are going to be extinct. It said it's going to slow the growth of them, you know, because, it's, you know, the, I don't I can't remember the science that they got into um, or the reasoning, but, you know, they're on an upward trajectory as it is. That's great. You know, the fact that they're not straight up and down is what they're saying. It's like, okay, they're not going to reproduce as fast. We're not going to, the population isn't going to grow as fast. Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing. And that's not an issue, a population level issue, like a decline. They're still going up. They're still expanding, still going up in numbers. So it's kind of a three card Monty slide things around and let people draw their own conclusions, you know, without giving the full background on it. The thing that amazes me is you see hunters, that jump on the bandwagon and talk about the things that the environmentalists are trying to, trying to fool us with. You know, I think about this. I remember when Indiana started the bald eagle restoration project because there weren't any eagles here. Guess also what there wasn't here. We we're shooting lead shot at waterfowl. We were using lead sinkers in our lakes. We were, uh, we were still eating, you know, chewing, uh, lead based paint chips off the baby cribs, you know, it was all there. And since that time period, our Eagle populations have just gone crazy. I mean, we've got more Eagles now than, than it's nothing back in the day. I mean, I remember when seeing a bald Eagle, people would drive down to goose Creek to, to try to get a glimpse because somebody said they saw a bald eagle down there. You'd pull into the parking lot down there at the boat ramp, and people would be sitting there. And I was working at the time, and you pull in, and you're like, hey, what are you doing? It's like, oh, we heard there's eagles down here. We came. There'd be five or six cars, people parked there waiting to see them. Now it's like, oh, yeah, an eagle. Yeah, cool. One was yeah. roosted in the tree in my house the other day, you know, my yard. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's like, we, if we're going to man it, we... We manage at the population level. If we're going to manage for every little thing, then let's put everything on the table. And those wind turbines are a perfect example of causing death and not just minimal death. Like there's there's, there's a lot of birds being killed. I, I saw a number the other day. It was 700, 750,000 birds annually are dying it, due to the wind turbine fields. That might yeah. be high. It was, you know, I didn't verify it, but that's a number I did see. Yeah, so there's so there's that. So are we going to ban that too? You know, so it's like uh, you don't just get to pick your pick your place where you you know get on your soapbox and and say this stuff if that's how we're going to manage. That's not how we manage. So yeah, are there? But there are forces in place trying to get us to that point of managing that direction, though. I feel like. So Center for Biological Diversity is kind of leading the way on that stuff. They're the ones who sued the government like 300 different times over five years. Um, 
but uh, they're the ones who led the charge on the refuge there. And we sounded the alarm and said, hey, they're negotiating. And not only are they negotiating, they won't even give us a say, you know, the industry or the hunters or anybody. We were locked out and they've passed the law. And now you see people, groups petitioning to expand that, just as we said. And then it can go to the state level by the feds withholding state funding, those PR dollars or whatever, unless they do the same thing and follow through with lead, you know, lead free uh, state lands. Yep. Your your wildlife management areas, your state forests, all those places that are public hunting that are owned and controlled by the state will have to follow suit or they're going to see a huge cut in funding. No doubt about it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's kind of where we're looking at with the lead stuff. What other good news you got for us, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I, I'll tell you what the good news is. The good news is the Sportsman's Alliance is out there, and you guys work every day on this stuff. You know, when I talk to Todd Atkins or I talk to, you know, Dowler about memberships and different stuff, uh, it, it makes me smile to see all the effort that is still being put in even though on the outside appearances, it looks like it's a lost cause. We're not going to give up. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're too stubborn. Is uh, I'll always go down swinging, you know? So, uh, so yeah, but I think we've put out uh, somewhere like 250 to 300 alerts already in that neighborhood since January one, you know? And so it's been a busy, busy year with pretty much 49 actually i think all 50 at one point were in session at the same time now it's starting to trickle down a little bit with each session different states closing which uh hallelujah you know that <laughs> <laughs> does hopping so we're ready for uh, mid-june <laughs> to show up around here and uh kind of slow down and take a deep breath uh while the summer recesses kick in and then uh It'll fire up again in the fall. So we should have four or 500 probably uh, alerts by the end of the year. Um, Is it, are you guys setting a record? Do you think you're on record pace on alerts? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Without wow. A doubt, we already have been, you know, and that's a function of uh, one, just the cycle and everybody being in at the same time and everybody being aggressive on both sides of the issues. You know, the, the gun guys, the red states trying to preempt things and, the blue states going after it. And so it's very contentious and everybody's moving. The other side of it is, you know, our government affairs team, Todd and Naomi have really, uh, they're just hammering it, man. I mean, they are tracking so much stuff and they're just firing out alerts and keeping people updated and go to the website, the new heat map we have, uh, yeah. you pull it up and you got the heat map there and it's, just bright orange and you can look at it and see what, what bills in different categories are, you know, game and fish department, uh, hunting, fishing, trapping, sporting dogs. Um, you can cycle down to those and keep track of it yourself too, if you want to. Well, keep, keep laying that out. Cause I'm looking it up right now. I want to yeah, make sure. Yeah. So it's a, you know, just a new technology we got. That's really cool. I mean, it's uh I like interactive things like that. And so you can drop down and pulls up the map and you can go to your state, <clears throat> roll over to your state and click it and see the bills, all the bills that have been active and divided down by those categories that I mentioned. 
and you can click within those categories and see how many are active and uh, what's going on with them, read the bill text, sponsors, et cetera. So we put a legislative action center together at the beginning of the year, and that was one piece, the heat map. So you can visually see it and also go look up the bills yourselves. But then we have, you know, where you can uh, uh, get all the information for your senators or representatives at the state level, the federal level, their contact information, emails, phone numbers. When we have alerts, you know, the alert system now, everybody loves the one-click email stuff, which can be great at times. Other times we need phone calls, but we have that there. So you can, you know, if we need to just make noise, because just making noise is a part of it. Sometimes it's just the state people. Sometimes it's everybody that needs to make the noise. That's a call that the government affairs team uses, you know, for uh, tactical reasons. Um, but one button email uh, to send in to folks to weigh in on a topic. Uh, we got uh, you can sign up to get the alerts. So that's free. Just sign up with your name. And I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, name and state, and anytime we send it out an alert to your state, you'll get that. Uh, and our weekly newsletter that gives the whole roundup kind of the week and what's been going on, the highlights from across the country. Yeah. Well, what else is in there? Oh, passing so, by state. So. Yeah, I'm sitting here looking at it, and just to explain to our audience uh, how easy it is, just go to sportsmansalliance.org. And then if you're looking at it on mobile, the little sandwich menu up there in the upper left-hand corner, click on that and it'll give you legislative action center, click on the heat map and boom, you're right in there. And you can click on any state you want and see exactly what's going on in your neighborhood. But above that, so there's like state news archives, latest news, sign up for alerts. There any reason for somebody that's serious about hunting and fishing in this country, not to be informed with a website like this. I'm telling you. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So it's, uh, it's been busy and, uh, the government affairs team has just been cranking it out. And so, yeah, it's definitely going to be a record year for us as far as uh, tonnage of news and alerts and actions we've taken. The Houndsman XP podcast network is powered by Cajun lights. All of your lighting needs for hunting can be taken care of at Cajun Lights. They have three models of cap lights. I'm gonna run through them real quick. You've got the Rogueroo, which is their high-end light. If you're a competition hunter and you gotta find that coon up in a tree and it's all riding on finding that coon, you'll want the Rogueroo on your head. Next is the Bayou. That's a pretty standard light, but it's got packed with features. It's got multiple colors. It's got walking lights. It's got the red, the green, the amber. It's all built in right into that light. And then you have one of my personal favorites, the Micro Gator. The Micro Gator is an ultra lightweight cap light. It's got all the features of a white light, red, green, and amber. I've used this light for everything from finding bear tracks early in the morning to coon hunting at night to working on plumbing in the house, changing tires on the side of the road. My truck doesn't leave the driveway without a Cajun light in it. And that light is the Micro Gator. Every Cajun light is durable, made from the highest quality components, and it is backed by Cajun's top-rated customer service. Check out Cajun Lights. You can go to our website at houndsmanxp.com. Go to our sponsors page. Hit that link. It'll take you right to Cajun Lights. Check them out. 
they got a lot of stuff to offer over at Cajun Lights. What's the deal? What's the deal with um, we've talked about it, but I think it's worth going through again. I mean, you take a state like Texas, didn't they just pass a breeder's bill down there? Or they were trying to pass a breeder's bill. Where's what's the status on that? Yeah. So uh it uh, you know, we've for the last several cycles, we've seen Texas, Oklahoma a little bit, but Texas quite a bit. It's been pretty consistent for the last, I don't know, three years or so. We've seen breeder bills getting introduced to limit breeding, to regulate it, you know, more than it already is. Um, and so this year though, one was introduced. And it reduces the number of intact females. I think you're at 11 right now. You have to have 11 intact females and transfer 20 dogs, transfer, sell, whatever, change ownership of 20 puppies uh, to be considered a commercial breeder. When you're considered a commercial breeder, you have to get licensed, you have to get your local licenses, your permits, uh, allow home inspections, pay fees, et cetera. Well, this bill drops it from 11 females down to five. And I think it's transfer of one puppy or maybe they got rid of that altogether. I can't remember. Yeah, um, I'm trying to find it right now uh, yeah. to bring it up, but it's, it's restrictive. It's again, it's, they're not coming after hunting in Texas. Texas is a huge hunting state. So they're not coming directly after that. They're trying to go after the methods and our abilities to hunt, just like the lead ammunition. Now they're talking about, about this this deal so so yeah so that uh that would impact a lot of bird dog guys a lot of houndsmen oh yeah i mean it's not hard you know to have five females and have one puppy so if you have one litter and transfer one puppy you are now a commercial breeder mm -hmm. and have it's permitted follow all those registration and uh regulations and then you know on top of the financial stuff, it's open your home. Like your house can be inspected, you know, and will be by the government. And so, uh, you know, for one puppy. And that becomes an economic attack again, just like the lead deal is you go after and make the economics out of touch. So it's like, okay, <laughs> puppies now, the price of that puppy is going to go up if people are having to uh, pay the government regulations and taxes and fees and everything else and have uh facilities set up exactly how they are you know the state thinks they should be set up for one puppy uh you know that gets expensive and then that gets passed along to the consumer exactly exactly it'll put a lot of our um, it'll put a lot of hunters out of business you know it'll either put them out of business or put them you know facing legal action you know fighting something in court against the state um possibly i don't i i hate to say it but there's a possibility for for jail time that would be attached to things like this possibly unless it's an infraction charge yeah um, could that eventually you know but this year for some reason this bill has grown legs like it's yeah it's passed one chamber already yeah so i think it was the senate it passed and so now it's at the house you know, and so, yeah, Texans need to jump on that and really make some noise so this thing gets stopped because it's already passed one chamber. Yeah, that's going to affect it. That's going to affect everybody down there, whether you're a bird hunter, you're a waterfowl hunter. If you're a deer hunter, deer tracking dogs are huge in Texas. And so 
uh, it's going to affect that. It's hog hunting is one of the hottest topics in Texas, you know, as far as invasive species and the, the efforts they're putting out there to reduce the wild hog numbers down there, that's going to affect hog hunters. So to sit around on your hands on this one is, is very dangerous for any person that likes to hunt in Texas. Yep. Yep. You spend thousands of dollars to go down there to hunt on a, on a ranch and you shoot an exotic or a, a monster whitetail buck. And all of a sudden you've got to pay an additional exorbitant amount to cover a tracking dog because they've got to meet government requirements. It's going to have an impact across the board. Yep. Yep. So, uh, yeah, if anybody's in Texas, your representative, a holler, pick up the phone, you know, that, that moves the needle more than anything, um, than just emailing. So pick up the phone and let them understand how that impacts you. Yeah. And you can find your, that information is on your website too, who you need to contact. If you go into that, uh, legislative heat map and then look at Texas and then click on how many active bills, you can scroll that down to, uh, the, the sporting dog bills and then you can see exactly who you need to be contacting and all the information for your legislator is on that website too yeah and that's who you need to contact because the sponsor probably isn't going to change their mind but contact your guys so when the vote comes up they rail against it and they have they're armed with some facts and know it and then can vote against it and uh, put the word out there why this is a bad bill yeah yeah, well, it really surprised me last year when they passed the tethering bill in Texas. Are you using Onyx maps while you're out running your hounds? I know I do. There are all kinds of features within Onyx in that app that allows me to mark den trees. It allows me to mark terrain features. It keeps me from floating my hat on those deep stream crossings so I can mark those shallow places where I can cross streams. I use it all the time, whether I'm east or west. In the east, property is chopped up into smaller chunks, and when a dog gets through the country, I can actually look on Onyx, dial it in, see who owns that property, and plan my route in and out of there to retrieve my hound. When I'm hunting in the west, same thing. All the terrain features are included on Onyx maps, and I can plan my route. I don't always have a choice of where my hounds end up but I can always depend on Onyx to get me in and out of there as quickly and as easily as possible. You can save 20% on your next purchase at Onyx when you go to onyxmaps.com and at checkout, you enter the code HXP20, you will get 20% off of your next subscription. When you go to houndsmanxp.com, click on the sponsor tab and join us on Patreon, you will receive a code to get 30% off of your next subscription of Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. Yeah, tethering is big. It's uh, all around the, all around. We see that you know, so Nevada has one now, mm-hmm. and that's removing an exemption. Usually, we get an exemption put in, and it's like, okay, you know, now it's again, it shows kind of the slippery slope. Even if they get it on the books with an exemption, which sometimes is the best we can hope for, but uh, you know, now they come back later and try to remove that exemption, which is what they're doing in Nevada now is removing the tethering exemption and hounds folks and bird dog folks. Again, you got, you got a string of dogs and you're airing them, you're traveling, you're hunting, you're trialing, whatever it is. 
you know, that's not good. <laughs> it's going to change things. Yeah. Up. They're going to be a zoo. <laughs> Some of these bills are written in a way, like when I'm traveling across the country with my hounds and I stop and I get them out of the truck and I either put them on a tie out, put my tie out out, or I just take a leash and hook it to a fence and I've got that dog tied at that point, I'm in violation of that. The way that bill is written, I'm in violation at this point. So anybody sitting there at the, at the gas station, filling up their car can call the police and, and report me. And then I'm dealing with law enforcement instead of traveling with my dogs. And I've just got them out to air them out and give them some water and let them stretch their legs. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's totally, totally mind numbing to think, where we've gotten to with some of this stuff. We did a podcast here not too long ago. Chad and I talked about all of the benefits of tethering and keeping your dogs tethered, the freedom they have, the health, the fact that they can be dogs, um, the psychological impact that, that caging a dog has, you know, if, if we put, if we put kids in cages, people would be, throwing a fit, but we can actually take a dog and rightfully so you laughed rightfully. So we should be throwing a fit if people are putting kids in cages, uh, <laughs> small cages, big ones are okay. Um, um. <laughs> no, I can take, I can set up a tether where my dog has hundreds of square feet, but it violates the state tethering law. But if I put them in a kennel, a 10 by 10 kennel, I can cut them down to a hundred square feet. And that's okay. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, you know, it doesn't, you know, and a lot of times they get these tethering laws on there that the tether has to be, you know, three or five times the length of the dog can only be made of this material. I mean, it's a perfect example of government. Um, oh, yeah. Leads to more governance and more regulations because you have to define the term. You have to define this. You have to define that. Well, they do all this. As long as they can get it on the books, they're they, they're happy. Because then, like Nevada is a perfect example, they come back later and change it. Okay, you know, a lot of times in Texas, for example, they uh, do it as an inclement weather. You know, tornado. You can't have a dog, you know, tied out or a rainstorm or heat, whatever. Inclement weather gets defined as. Um, a lot so of times, it's not defined, and it's left up to the discretion of the. Officer, yeah. officer that shows up and he's like, well, yeah, I wouldn't leave my dog out today. And he lives in a suburb and his wife's got a fur baby and she yells at him if he's the dog's outside too long. So he's yeah. like, well, I wouldn't leave my dog out today. So I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and take action on this. Yeah. You know, and then they come back later and like, oh, well, we'll just strike, you know, this session will just strike inclement weather, you know? And so you can't, I am, and nobody gets fired up because it's such a small little change. It's a couple of words. It's hard to get the momentum to, you know, destroy that or stop that from happening. You know what's really aggravating is we're spending time. We pay those legislators. We're paying for that time as tax dollars, as taxpayers. Yeah. We're paying for that time for you to tell me how to take care of my dog. And some people need people to tell them how to take care of a dog. I'm not going to argue that point at all. There's some people out there that that keep their dogs in deplorable, horrible conditions. So, but I'm paying a government official to tell me how to take care of my dogs. There's usually always a law on the books already that covers that mistreatment of that dog. Yeah. And the whole time 
we've got liberals walking into schools and shooting people and <laughs> no it's, it's like we're not against you know animal cruelty we're not uh trying to make that but the way that a lot of these laws get written whether it's on you know out of ignorance or it's purposeful it's mindful to write it this way it catches houndsmen and it catches bird dog guys and you know sporting dogs in general in some way whether it's too too uh, broad and leaves open subjective interpretations you know or whether they make it very specific and that catches them you know and so uh, it's it, it's hard you know but uh you know there's like you said there's usually a law already on the book it's a matter of enforcement yes you know like okay the guy has to work and, <laughs> and do this and there's only so many animal control folks so it goes back to money because the aspca can trot out these statistics and say we assisted in passing humane bills in 10 states last year send us money you know, and the whole time, those 10 states that they got them passed in, there were already laws on the books that say, if if you can't keep a dog in a humane way, healthy, and what's best for his best interest, you're in violation of the law. That, Like you said, typical government that just jumps on the bandwagon, they're making more laws to say, I'm up here working, I'm working for your interest, a bunch of baloney. And the, and the animal rights people are sitting back going, you need to send us more money because we're out here working hard for you. Yep. 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 So, and, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, suburban guys, representatives are, you know, even the conservatives, even the conservatives, There, a lot of them are being, are the ones who are pushing a lot of the breeding and tethering stuff where the conservatives, uh, representatives or senators within suburbs, right? So, yep. yep. You know, a lot of times uh, the conservatives don't have that little touchy-feely, feel-good topic that they can point to. Well, this gives them that political uh, match to carry or t torch to carry and show their voters that, you know, they're humane and everything else. And so they, they push these bills. One of these one of these representatives needs to sponsor an anti-obesity bill for dogs. That's what, that's the one that they need to be looking at for mistreatment. You know, the fact that, that you got some fur mama over there that's, that lives in suburbia walking her fat lab down the sidewalk and the dog's got arthritis and joint problems and going to live a shorter life because she's mistreating her dog much more than, than most of the houndsmen I know would ever mistreat a dog. And she's yeah. doing it inadvertently. Like dogs, they treat them like little people, and you know that's my, like I. Ooh, my girlfriend is like, uh, you know, she knows that when I get around people like that because she's one of them too. Sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> well, so is my wife. I just, I just lose it. Like I'm like, oh my, like I'll tell people their dog's fat. Like I'll be petting <laughs> fat. Oh, you got a little, got a, got your winter weight on, and they'll be like, wait, he's not fat. I'm like, yeah, he's fat. <laughs> and, oh uh, man. You know, I tell my wife all the time that her pit bull's fat. I was yeah. like, he's, yeah, he's fat. I've seen pit bulls that are in shape and ready to go to work. He doesn't need six cups of feet a day. You know, yeah. I take him out. I take him out and run him with the hounds just to get some exercise on him, keep him trimmed down. If I didn't do that, he'd look like a blimp. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. 
Yeah, but then also, you know, people are treating them like uh, little people. I'm like, no, they're dogs. And my girlfriend's like, oh, that's so mean, or this. Like, he likes this. I'm like, no, he doesn't. Like, he's a dog. This is how he's thinking. You know, this isn't how dogs think. That's how you're thinking. You're projecting. Oh, I just go nuts. I lose it on people. <laughs> dogs are a lot like they they have no self-control. They have no off switch a lot of times. You know, it's just you, you put food down, they're eating it. You put a hamburger down, they're eating it. You know, they don't have any foresight to think, oh, this is going to cause me to be obese and have joint problems and possibly suffer from heart disease. They're eating it. You know, it's like the dog's not scared. He's not that like, he's, he's a dog. <laughs> Let him be a dog. Yeah, you know it. You know it. So what else is going on? I mean, as far as, um, what else we need to be looking at, Brian? Oh, geez. Take your pick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> guns and dogs. Those are, those are two big ones. Uh, uh, a lot of the gun stuff uh, has crossed over this year. One of the themes we've seen, you know, along with the bigger liability so-called uh, assault weapon bans and stuff like that. And this goes to Texas again, um, is a lot of attacks on youth trying to up the age from 18 to 21 to not just buy, but even possess. Right. And not just, you know, semi-auto rifles, but even shotguns, semi-auto shotguns, and not even just semi-autos. In some points, in some uh, bills, I can't remember which state it was in. Uh, Colorado. Yeah, that it's even shotguns, even rifles, even, you know, side-by-sides, you know, to possession with no exemptions for hunting, or it's so confusing, somebody's going to be in violation. Um, and so that's been a big theme is, you know, raising that age limit from 18 to 21. Yep. Yeah. I've got friends in Colorado that, uh, have been keeping me informed. Um, Anthony Pace with freedom hunters was actually sitting in and listening to the testimony for that bill. And I think he was, I think he even testified, um, against it. He testified in opposition to that bill, but he was going on a rant with me while he was waiting for his turn. And he, he was livid. He's like, I can't believe this. This is the craziest stuff. And the whole time they also, all the people pushing this bill want to lower voting age to 16, you yeah. know, yeah. let's raise the age that people can hunt. And, and lower the voting age to 16. If you can't smell the political shenanigans going on there, it, it, you just need to turn in your voter registration card and move. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's one big thing. Wolves, of course, is always big. Uh, you have Colorado going on. You have uh, the Great Lakes stuff still happening. Uh, Minnesota trying to, you know, proactively preemptively, I guess, uh, pass a wolf ban. So, you know, the end game's coming up there and, you know, we're going to get them delisted. It's been a 20 year fight where we'll get them delisted. It's been a or a uh, legal chess match we've been in. Right. And they're starting to run out of moves. You know, it's kind of like got them cornered, like when you're playing checkers and, and the guy just keeps moving back and forth. That's kind of where we're at in this. It's just a matter of getting the final pieces in play and blocking them in. So yep. they see, and Minnesota is trying to pass a preemptive ban to stop wolf hunting if and when they ever get delisted from the Endangered Species Act. 
And that was, you know, that's dirty pool. Like, okay, you're going to put a bill up to do that and we can all discuss it and weigh in and stuff. Okay, if you beat me, you beat me. But they tucked this into a huge omnibus spending bill, environmental spending bill. And it's just one little section within this hundreds of pages. And unless it gets called up into a committee in the conference, it gets really wonky with Minnesota politics. I don't understand it fully how it goes through the houses and gets referred to a committee and after the fact, I don't know, it's weird. Yeah. But unless somebody brings that up and it comes up for the vote, there's nothing that's going to be said on it. And so that's a way that that's the way the Utah line mountain line deal was. Yeah. And they don't want to hold up these huge uh spending bills for one little section. Yep. The fact that it could get pushed and could happen is very real. You know, it's gonna screw that all up. So uh you know, and then you got Colorado with creating, you know, hopefully that bill goes through the CJ10 uh, bill that uh, they get, uh, you know, they have to do an environmental impact statement first. And then it, before they can declare them a experimental population, which then gives the state greater flexibility. Yep. So, yeah, so there's wolves always, you know, that's their that's their bread and butter there is the You wolf. bet. And spread those out and protect them as long as they can. The other topic they brought up, uh, again, Center for Biological Diversity suing the Forest Service, I think it was, maybe it was Fish and Wildlife, uh, that uh, any wolf that leaves the state is still protected. So if it crosses over into Wyoming where they hunt wolves, because there's a yeah. national forest that they use, that they want the wolves protected. Well, if that stands... And then they can say, hey, well, this wolf can travel to California, it can travel to New Mexico, it can travel anywhere. Therefore, we can't hunt wolves in Montana, Idaho, Wyoming. No. Yep. Yep. They get that collar number and give them a name, make some social media pages for them, and all of a sudden they can go wherever they want with their girlfriend, set up a new new breeding grounds. And, uh, yep. Yep. What have you heard about uh, mountain lions in Colorado? I heard it's going to be a ballot initiative next year. Uh, I haven't heard anything yet, but yeah, that's uh, that wouldn't surprise me. Again, big predators are big money for them, and they can put pretty pictures up and say a whole bunch of mis uh, misinformation, and the city folks will vote it in. You know, so it's uh, there's also you know. We, we called it after Cecil. We said they're going to head to five different states, a possibility, and then narrow down, you know, Idaho and Montana aren't happening. Utah isn't happening because it requires a two-third vote. So Colorado and uh, Arizona, and they tried Arizona a couple years ago, and their ballot initiative laws made it difficult for them. So mm -hmm. it was a scandal with Wayne Caselli. Um, so they've pulled out of there, and that's been quiet. So yeah, Colorado could be uh, getting her pretty quick. Yeah, Colorado, they tried to push that Senate bill through last year. A year, year yeah, last year it got shot down. And then, uh, so the sources on the ground there for me are saying that they're going to come after it through a uh, uh, ballot initiative and do wildlife biology by vote, you know, ballot box biology and that's not going to be good no and that's that's kind of typically what we see is 
They try to change it at the regulation level, at game commissions. They try to get, you know, a bill passed in the legislature and we block them. You know, so you keep blocking them. So then they kind of their last resort is to go the ballot initiative yeah. process. That's an expensive process. It's expensive for everybody. So even though they have the advantage of being able to uh, create great messaging for their people and get it out there, they have a high, high chance of success. It's still two, three, four, five million for them to, mm-hmm. you know, and so if they can do it with a lobbyist, you know, for 10 grand for a couple of sessions or whatever it costs, that's a lot cheaper way to go, you yeah. know, but you, that's kind of the process we see regulation, legislation. And when that fails several times in a row, then they'll go to the ballot initiative and spend the money, you know, and they have the money to spend. Main Society, Center for Biological Diversity, uh, ASPCA, they all have that money to spend, you know, that they have millions. I mean, Main Society, if they wanted to, could run a ballot initiative in every state almost and do it without, without blinking. You think, you think like when the Center for, Center for Biological Diversity, they turn around and they sue uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, which right now is run by the people whose agenda they support, the Democrats. Do you think there, why isn't there pushback from the Democrats? It's like, why are you guys coming after us and suing us? We're on your side. You know, a lot of those people are on the side of center for biological diversity. There's no doubt about it. That's why we we were mad, you know, and made so much noise with the Biden administration settling. They sued on the lead issue or they sued on the refuge expansion in general. And they had some, Mm -hmm. well, then the Biden administration was like, okay, you sued us. Now this gives them leverage to talk like, oh, I, we have to talk to them. Even people in the industry, when we said, you know, Hey, this is what's happening. People in the industry said we were playing politics and this wasn't happening. This is all part of policy to sit down and negotiate with. No, it's not. You don't have to sit down and negotiate. And even if you do, you can say no. Even if you do, you can tell us what's going on or what's happening. They didn't. So it's kind of a wink, wink. We're going to negotiate and we're going to do what you want type deal. Plus, if they settle on just a couple of points, they can then apply to get their all of their lawyers' fees paid for. So they're making tens of millions of dollars off the taxpayers by suing on all this stuff and then reclaiming their uh, lawyers' fees and witness fees for uh, you know just winning a couple of points. So they're getting they're advancing their agenda and getting paid for it, which then they can roll into the next lawsuit and using the next lawsuit. So they've got a great model. They're making a ton of money. Yeah. Raising- money on this stuff and getting their money back for suing it. I mean, at one point, uh, CBD during uh, the Trump administration, they had a Trump tracker and they had a lawsuit a day. They were averaging a lawsuit a day against the federal government. Over a five-year period, I think it was, uh, there were something like 323 lawsuits that they filed. So they're making millions of dollars and advancing their agenda and so when they're suing a friendly administration it's uh okay wink wink this is how we're going to do this yep yeah we're, we're going to go ahead you go ahead and sue us you're going to get this payout i'm running for re-election next year yeah 
Yep. Yep. Man, I'm telling you, it's dirty, dirty, dirty. Politics, baby. Politics and money. You bet. You bet. What kind of good news, man? What What are some of the triumphs and wins, and and then we're gonna we're gonna wrap this thing up with the uh, the gun bash because I still think that that's that's kind of an in your face thing. But yeah. what kind of good news we got, Brian? Well, well, the you know some of the the red states, your your Dakotas and uh, stuff like that, have passed some good stuff uh, uh, protecting you know. Re reaffirming preemption or expanding youth hunting, uh, Colorado or uh, North Dakota, I think had like six or eight bills that were signed into law that were pro sportsman stuff, you know, and that was a whole gamut of different things. Um, looking like uh, Florida, the the right to fish and hunt constitutional amendment would be going on the 2024 ballot. So those are nice. Those are nice to have. It kind of reaffirms everything, gives you a little bit more legal footing um that the other side has to overcome or think about at least not that they're foolproof silver bullets by any stretch but uh it, it gives a little bit of a legal challenge you know for us for them to overcome and us to lean into so that's good uh the montana one failed that's bad uh yeah uh it the good news is uh, few and far between, but the, it, the other side of that coin is that there is so many bills that it's amazing that they get so few passed, actually. Yeah. We see the number, the vast number that they do put forward, and they only pass a small margin of them, if at all. You know, that's good news, except it is an incremental loss. So, uh, you mm -hmm. know and stay in there but uh you know expanding youth hunting and uh some education stuff is good and anything we can do to throw some roadblocks in their way how's the education program going for uh sportsman's alliance i'm i'm still excited about that and um how's uh, that going it's going good uh they're trying out some new uh technology and stuff and so uh, they've added more to the back end i know that more resources more labs more hands-on stuff for the teachers to do um and so it's uh, even even more of a turnkey program that a school can imp implement or homeschool or what and it counts it aligns with all the science credits for so many states i don't even know how many states but it's kind of those big uh accreditation type ones um it aligns with and so uh, they've added more and more to the back end so it's even easier on the teachers and gives them more time to do in classroom hands-on stuff and uh and engage the students so it's uh it's pretty cool we're excited about that still yeah that and this is an action point for everybody out there you've got a local school board in your in your county and you can go to that meeting and what we're talking about here is a program that was designed and built by the sportsman's alliance it's actually a wildlife biology based education program that can be plugged into your science programs at your local school and now your kids can take that as an al an alternative or addition to their other science science programs and it's fully accredited in several states is that an accurate description yeah yeah it works as your uh the third elective that they can do and it can fits kind of underneath the uh, like 
in my son's school, they kind of have a medical, biomedical track and they have an environmental type track. So it fits under that environmental sciences piece. It can be a standalone where it's the entire class. It can be woven into an environmental class or an egg class. A lot of the uh, FFA stuff doesn't have a standard operating uh, curriculum. This covers almost all of it and plugs into it. It can be, you know, a semester class. It can be a full year class. It's pretty much flexible for whatever you need. Very hands-on STEM orientated type stuff. And they're learning the backbone of the North American model and how this all works together and basic wildlife biology principles and environmental uh, principles and how the funding mechanism works and how hunters, anglers, and trappers fit into the situation and fit into this model of wildlife management. Yeah, it's it's like a, a truth pill for education these days because you get the bare you get the you get the right information out there of how our wildlife's paid for, what role hunters and trappers and fishermen play in that, and why hunting is valuable for as a management tool. Uh, I mean, it's just a it's a great program. So if you haven't heard about it, I would strongly encourage you to go to the Sportsman's Alliance website and. It's on there, right? It's, uh, yeah, it's under the education tab, or you can go straight to conservationadventures.org. Yes. .org or .com. <laughs> and, uh, and go in there, and there's a request a quote or talk to somebody or send an email. You just sign up, and somebody will get in touch with you very quickly. Yeah. Man, if you want to do something big, for the future of hunting and outdoors, you know, wild, wildlife management, North American model, all good stuff in your local community. There is an, I, I taught hunter ed and all this stuff for 30 years as a conservation officer. And this program is lights out the most impactful thing that could happen to hunting in the United States. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's it, the folks who, you know, take hunter's ed or whatever. That's great. Yeah. But they're, who are, they're already on our side. This reaches kids who don't have an exposure to hunting and they have to go into class every single day and sit down there for an hour and talk about this stuff and go home and do a homework. So even if they don't become a hunter, at least they understand right. the and the principles behind it. So when they become a voter in one or two years that they go, wait a minute, that's not exactly right. I don't know. No, that's not right. They can begin to question these ballot initiatives that come up. Mm -hmm. These bills, these legislative bills, they can understand better the threat that these things pose because this is the facts and the science behind the hyperbole that the other side uses. Have you got a uh, have you got a section in there on on hounds and and hunting with hounds yet, Brian? I don't know. I haven't looked at it for a while. I haven't. I edited the thing. Uh, I'm putting you on the spot, buddy. Updated it. I can't remember. I think there is something in there on hounds. I think we talk about methods and why. I know there was an African piece and quote unquote trophy hunting, trying to explain that to high school students that it's not trophies. <laughs> this is still management. Here's what happens, da 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 type things. So, Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll look over that curriculum and if if you guys are up for it, I'd be interested in working in uh, you know, working that in where we get that information included because I that's what we do, man. That's what we do. It's 
it's something that I want 15, 16 year old kids to understand that side of, of hunting as well and see the value that these houndsmen provide out there in the wildlife management arena. Totally. Yep. 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 All right, man, let's wrap it up. Where's that gun bling at? That gun bash. Well, I keep calling it the gun bling. I know it's not the gun bling. What is it? Ash, whatever. Uh, it's in Ohio. It's going to be a party. Yeah. At the fairgrounds there. Uh, can't remember the name. Marion County, I think, fairgrounds. Um, May 20th. Um, yeah. But you can, you don't have to be, uh, you don't have to be there to win. You can buy your tickets online and uh, you might win a bunch of shotguns or you might win uh, a rifle, might win a trip to Africa. There's all sorts of stuff to win. Yeah. Yep. There's cash. Yeah. Cash. cash. You can win cash. Couple five thousand, a thousand, something like that. Couple That's right. Thousand dollar pots. And I think there's fifty fifty two uh a raffle uh that's going on that uh yeah, I think it's supposed to be like a hundred grand or something like that. So there's a Christian there's an arms mess of three hundred win mag. I mean that's a that's a heck of a prize, man. Yeah. Glocks, Ruger, Ruger's on board there. Cool stuff. A lot of a lot of good stuff. There's a great job putting some really just awesome raffles together and, and stuff. You know, this is this is a, a great event for anybody. And this is kind of our small one, the mega raffle yeah. coming up summer, late summer. And I mean, that thing last year was close to $500,000 worth of prizes. The the 50-50 was something like, you know, I think it was take home like $90,000 or something take home that the winner got. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, it's unbelievable what he is putting together with that thing. It's, that thing's taken off. And I mean, that's a huge fundraiser for us. We don't have banquets, you know, like most conservation organizations do with chapters around the country and several within the state. We don't have that, you know, we're a, we're a centralized organization. And so this is our, these two raffles are our big fundraisers, you know, and so that's uh, where we get a lot of our money to be able to do lawsuits, lobby if we need to, you know, and do that outreach and education stuff and uh, hold these guys accountable. Yep, for sure. I'll tell you another way you can help hold people accountable is when you join us, when you join Houndsman XP, go to pay, go to our website at houndsmanxp.com. Click on the support us tab. When you join us and support us at the highest tier, then we're going to pay for your membership to the Sportsman's Alliance, and you can take an active role. And I'm telling you, man, when you, when you look at the the things that are offered there, just the news articles and the the email alerts that I get every week keeps me on point for what's going on, keeps me involved. Doesn't make me feel like a daggone freeloader. <laughs> Seriously, I, I'm serious, man. If if this is a time when when we've got to be involved and we've got to be informed, and you just can't keep riding it out. You got to get involved. Got to get involved. Nope, they're coming, and they've got a ton of money and a lot of influence with Hollywood, and uh, everybody else is, uh, you know, on board with them. And so we've got to band together and get the truth out there and start swinging back, taking, taking the fight back to them. 
And this is a way to do it. So you can either, and I don't care. You can go straight to Sportsman's Alliance website and, and pay for your membership there. I don't care where you get it, but you need to get on board. You can either do it there. You can come over to Patreon and join us. We'll pay it for you. And I mean, either way, it doesn't matter. Just get involved. Amen. Yep. All right, ma'am. Well, hey, Brian, it's always a pleasure talking to you. And uh, thanks for carving some time out of your busy schedule. You got some, what, you going to Idaho to bear hunt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, head down to Missouri next week. Uh, we have a board of directors meeting. And then uh, from there, I, I'm going up to Wisconsin to turkey hunt with the Vortex guys um, and do a video and podcast there. And then I'm home for two days. And then I'm off to Idaho for a bear camp. Nice. So, Yeah, good deal, man. Well, Brian, thanks a lot. I appreciate everybody tuning in to listen to this episode of the Houndsman XP podcast. Make sure you're checking out the Sportsman's Alliance at sportsmanalliance.org. You can find a link to them off of our website at houndsmanxp.com. We're in this fight together, Brian. I appreciate everything you guys do. And until next time, this is Fair Chase.